0: We are to walk in love, and this word here is agape in the Greek, and I describe this love, this is me personally, a love that keeps on giving without expecting anything in return, and I believe it's best described to us by the love of the Godhead, where God the Father loves us so much that he's willing to send his only begotten Son, where God the Son, in such a great love toward his Father and toward humanity was willing to lay down his life upon the cross, and where God the Holy Spirit loves us so much that he makes his dwelling in us and pours out the love of God into our hearts. You're
1: looking too far for that need. Now, here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word.
0: As you get settled back into your seats, you can open up your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. We're going to be looking at verses 14 through 23 today. Message that I entitled Walk in Love. And we're almost there. We've been working our way through the book of Romans here in 2019. And well, after today, we'll have only two more chapters to finish up the book. And then we'll probably do a book review after we get through the book, just to remind us of a few things that we'd learn as we journey through the epistle of Romans. And Paul continues here in Romans 14, his theme of not judging one another over the non-essentials of our faith, like the food we eat or those things that we might drink, as he'll mention, or the day of the week that we worship. Last week's message, we concluded that Paul's resolve for every believer is that they would not put a stumbling block or a cause to fall against his brother or sister. A stumbling block simply means that in the Greek, something that caused someone to stumble. Literally, it means a stumbling stone. I don't know if you guys have ever tripped over a rock when you're out and about walking somewhere, but the simple meaning of that word, don't put anything that could cause someone to stumble. But what really stood out to me last week was the second Greek word, the cause to fall. Well, that is actually a trap or a snare laid for an enemy. And I can't even envision that. Brothers and sisters in Christ setting up a trap or a snare against another brother or sister in Christ, calling them an enemy when they are all the Lord's, all belong to the Lord. And so for the reason of this resolve, we can stand before, as he says, we'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And so with this in mind, we're to resolve to do no harm, but to also, as we'll learn today, to walk in love. And today we're going to look at that in our study in Romans 14, Verses 14 through 22, I titled it, as I said, Walk in Love. And we are going to see in verses 14 through 15, Do Not Destroy. Verses 16 through 18, The Kingdom of God. And 19 through 23, Pursue Peace and Edification. I'm going to go ahead and and read our first two verses, the first point that we have, verses 14 and 15. I titled this, Do Not Destroy. And then I'll open us in prayer. Romans 14, verse 14, it says, I know and am convinced by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him who considers anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. Father, we pray that you would just continue to open our hearts, our souls, our minds to receive, Lord, that which you would have from your holy word. Lord, that our lives are already being transformed because of the salvation that you have made available to us through Christ Jesus, our Lord. That process, Lord, of not being saved, but growing in our faith. Lord, that continues. So, Lord, help us to Open our hearts, our minds, to receive that which you would have for us this day. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So he begins by encouraging uh, the believers there in Rome, and then to us here in the 21st century, to not destroy. He begins by saying, nothing is unclean of itself. And Jews living under the law, uh, there were many things that were considered unclean or unkosher, especially when it came to food, for something to be considered kosher, it refers to those things that are fit or allowed to be eaten or used according to the dietary or ceremonial law of Judaism. And so Paul is referring to the law of the Jews at this point. There was a struggle in the early church. In fact, there were those within the church called Judaizers, who went forth preaching and teaching to the Gentiles for the Gentile to be truly saved. They needed to convert to Judaism. And they actually troubled the early church very greatly at that time, causing uh, the Gentile men to be circumcised, causing them to come under the conditions of the law, concerned about the food that they would eat the day of the week that they would worship on. And Paul is touching on all these things in Romans chapter 14. Paul also understood, he said it back in Romans 10, 4, that Christ is the end of the law. Another way that we could say this, that through Jesus Christ, he came and fulfilled all of the law in himself. And Paul knew then that nothing of itself was unclean. Now, this is not a blanket statement that just is applied to anything. We have to look at the context in the context in this chapter, He's talking about three basic non-essentials. He mentions food, drink, and the day we worship. That is the context of Romans chapter 14. Of course, we know that there are things against the word of God. Those would be unclean or not right for Christians to do. But when dealing with the non-essentials of our faith, things that are not foundational to our faith, like the food we eat. Well, then Paul understood that Nothing in itself was unclean if they were sanctified by the word of God and prayer. He said so in 1 Timothy 4, verses 4 and 5 concerning food. He said, for every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. I know I've shared this before, but of a missionary many years ago over in Europe His son wanting to go with him when he visited someone's home. And so the missionary and his son went to visit there at the home. And the people there, very poor, wanted to feed them while they were there. So they put out their best meal before them. And then when they set the meat on the table, the meat had a weird look to it, a little green. And the missionary father leaned over to his son and he said, it's your job to get it down. It's God's job to keep it down. So that's something that with the word of God in prayer, you consume it, saying, Lord, please don't let me get sick over this one. But Jesus said in Matthew 15, 10 through 11, when he had called the multitude to himself, he said, hear and understand. It's not what goes in the mouth that defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth This defiles a man. You know, really, and Paul understood this as well, that it's a heart issue. It's the issue of the heart. But they were having a difficult time with the works of the laws. They were trying to do works that would qualify the salvation that they had received in Jesus Christ. And James teaches us that faith and works do go together, but it's not in a way that many think. Many think that the works that they do help to uh, bring about the faith in their life or help to uh, keep them saved or make them saved. But the works is supposed to be just that which is a natural outflow of the salvation that we have already received from Jesus Christ. The works then follow as a testimony of the salvation that we have received from Christ. It is a hard issue that's being dealt with. And so it's not what we eat, as Jesus said in Matthew 15, 10, 11, that defiles us, but what comes out of the mouth, what comes out of the heart. So he says in verse 15, If your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ died. When we grieve others, it means to distress or to cause pain or grief. We're not walking in love. To distress simply means to be sad, um, something that resulted in our life that causes us to be sad. But I wanted you to notice that he said, do not destroy, Do not destroy that of the well-being of an individual. We are to walk in love. And this word here is Agape in the Greek, and I describe this love. This is me personally, a love that keeps on giving without expecting anything in return and I believe it's best described to us by the love of the Godhead where God the Father loves us so much that he's willing to send his only begotten son where God the son in such a great love toward his father and toward humanity was willing to lay down his life upon the cross and where God the Holy Spirit loves us so much that he makes his dwelling in us and pours out the love of God into our hearts. Jesus said in John 13, 34 through 35, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. How are they going to know those who are on the outside? How are they going to recognize the love of Christ in us if we are fighting and bickering and um, just really having division as the body of Christ itself we are to love one another and Christians are to be known by our agape our phileo love agape love as I said it's a love that keeps on giving without expecting anything in return phileo it's a Greek word that means love for a brother for the love that we have for one another in order that those who are on the outside of faith might look in and see that we belong to Jesus. And such a love cannot be faked. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 9, it tells us, but concerning brotherly love, this is that phileo love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God to agape one another. And then he says in Romans twelve ten. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. The Greek word is actually Philadelphia. We know that as a a city in our nation, but brotherly love. And we know that city to be known as the city of brotherly love. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. It's through loving one another, just as God and Jesus loves us. We discover that our own hearts will be greatly refreshed by the love of Christ. Jesus said in John fifteen twelve, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have also loved you. And may we strive to not grieve or destroy those for whom Christ has died, but rather walk in love. We find in verses 16 through 18, he mentions here the kingdom of God. I'll read it for the context. As we get into our second point, verse 16, it says, Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not food and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men mentions these three words concerning the kingdom of God, that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. And in the context of the passage, your good refers to the freedoms that we have in Christ Jesus. And again, remember in this chapter, he mentions three main things that was a struggle at that time within the New Testament church. And that would be the food, the freedom of eating the food that they had, the drink, And also the day on which they would worship, whether it would be a Saturday, a Sunday, or any other day of the week. And more than the freedoms that we have in Christ, should be our love for one another. This type of love should be displayed in our lives through our righteousness, our peace, and our joy that has been given to us by the Holy Spirit. This righteousness speaks about the character or the quality of being right or just I like this one of the expositors said that the word righteousness used to be have a spelling of right-wiseness right-wiseness not in just righteousness but being wise tied into this word itself and then that of peace it is the opposite of war or dissension we know this between peace with nations, or peace between God and those who believe in Jesus, or the peace of believers within the church, that we are to display peace, we have received peace with God, we are to be at peace with others around us, show peace, but also joy, and a word that speaks about a calm delight, I like that, the calm delight, sometimes sometimes people can get a, a little too wild in their expression of joyous but the calm delight that we have in Christ Jesus, knowing that he has redeemed us. In Philippians 2, verses 1 and 2, it tells us, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, or of any comfort of love, any fellowship of the Spirit, of any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love of being one accord and of one mind. Paul telling them in the church in Philippi to fulfill my joy and how do you do this of being of one mind of the same love of one accord for he who serves Christ in verse 18 we find that he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men this serving Christ we have the Greek word doulos it it comes from that Greek word it it's felt a little different in the context of this passage, but doulos means to be a, a slave, to be in bondage to someone else, to serve another. And as believers, we are to serve Christ in all righteousness, peace, and joy. It's not only acceptable to God, but it's approved by others. Paul, concerned about our testimony in the world that we live in today, he said in 1 Timothy 2, verses 2 through 4, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For it is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God our Savior desiring all men to be saved. He uses us in our testimony that we have before others. Our testimony when we live calm and peaceable lives, quiet and peaceable lives before others in all godliness and reverence. How do we conduct ourselves when we're out and about in this world? Do we conduct ourselves in such a way that people who don't even know you might say, are you a believer in Jesus Christ, are you a Christian, or do you conduct yourself in such a way that they would have no clue that you have faith in Jesus Christ? I would encourage us to conduct ourselves in such a way that people would be attracted to our lives and the lifestyle that we have. That they might say, you know what? I want what you have. Because God desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of him in truth. We walk about as a living testimony of the work of Jesus Christ in our world by living quiet and peaceable lives. We give opportunities to be witness for others that they might believe in Jesus Christ. And we get to play an active role in this. And it's only true when we walk in love, both within the church and outside the church as well. He refers to also in this passage, the kingdom of God. I titled this point, the kingdom of God. Shortly after, I don't know if it was the same day, or I know it was shortly after my dad had passed away, I found these words written in the back of one of his Bibles. I believe the kingdom to be the reign of God in human hearts, both now and in eternity. In my view, the kingdom begins in this world and is made complete in heaven. That's what dad had written in the back of his Bible. I don't know if this was his opinion or he just read it and thought I liked that and wrote it down, but it not only appears in the back of that Bible, I still have that Bible today. A portion of this is on his gravestone as well. You know, the way that we might describe the kingdom of God is not as important as ensuring that God reigns over our hearts through faith in Jesus Christ, both now and on into eternity the kingdom of God, it's ultimately that God rules over all the earth, but he is to especially rule over the lives of those whom he has redeemed through faith in his son, our savior, Jesus Christ. When it comes to the teaching and the examples of Jesus, the basic principle that Jesus taught there in the first century can also be applied to our lives here in the 21st century. It may be that the kingdom of God would rule over our hearts in righteousness, peace, and joy. Oh, that God's kingdom would rule in our hearts in that way. Then we also find that we are to pursue peace and edification. Verses 19 through 23. I'll slow it down. I'll read the context. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace And the things by which one may edify another. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All things indeed are pure, but it is evil for the man who eats with offense. It is good neither to eat meat nor drink wine or do anything by which your brother stumbles or is offended or is made weak. Do you have faith? Have it to yourself before God. Happy is he who does not condemn himself in what he approves. But he who doubts is condemned if he eats because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. So he's wrapping up this chapter. Remember, he's talking about uh, three specific things in this chapter. He mentions all three of them in verse 20 where he talks about the food of verse 21 actually the the meat the food we eat the drink that we might have and then the third one he doesn't mention there but the day of the week that we worship we're not to stumble a brother or sister over these things we're not to quarrel over the non-essentials of our faith we are to rather resolve to pursue peace and edification we are to pursue. it. It's a word that simply means to follow after or to seek earnestly. And this is our quest that we have in Christ Jesus to seek earnestly those things that he would have for us in his word. We've seen today in this message of walk in love as believers in Jesus Christ. We're not only to resolve to do no harm, but we're to walk in love. But through walking in love, just as Jesus Christ has done for us. We help to build up the body of Christ. We thank you, Father, for your word, for what it has encouraged us today. Lord, it it is important, as believers in Jesus Christ, how we conduct ourselves. And I fear, Lord, in the day and age that we live in, there are many within the church that they they do not conduct themselves according to the standard of your word. So, Lord, for them, they are Tearing down instead of building up. And I know, Lord, I would have to say that we have all been guilty of tearing down. Lord, today I would ask that you would just help us to seek forgiveness for those times that we have tore down instead of building up. And help us, Lord, to to think about that, to be a people who would desire to pursue righteousness, peace, and joy that you, Father, might be glorified and that others may see the work that your Son, our Savior, have done in our lives to redeem us, that others, Lord, who do not believe, might desire the salvation that we have already received. We pray in the name of Jesus.
1: Amen.